It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So we're already in October. I know. I can't believe it. Amy, what was your best part well, last week? The winery we went to that. Oh my God, I am I'm, so excited that you found that. That was really fun. Even though it was mostly reds and I know. I faux pas with you. Know, but I love it. that it was going to that nonprofit, Adelante Mujeres. It's, I just read about it too. Mm-hmm. It's a nonprofit for, in Forest Grove for to working to empower Latin women and their families and offer education and leadership. And I love that all the wineries that were yeah. there were owned by primarily women. There's yeah, there's a few yeah. too. But and I, I love that Mexican American women. Yeah, yeah I, I had it was so fun. Yeah, yeah, I had a I it had was, a blast. It was really great. The food was not <laughs> there was not a lot of food, but the, it, well, the, no, and the, it wasn't. But it, was, it was a pretty pretty winery. Yeah, I never oh, been to pretty. Beacon Hill yeah. winery, so that was fun. Yeah, and I love that they were very careful with COVID stuff. Yeah. So I, I appreciated I that too. I thought that was great. Oh my gosh, I just have a bunch of fun little stories that I found. Yay. Like there's a group of quilters Aww. in Missouri South Central Correction Facility that have a, a group that they've been together for like 10 years. They've made more than 2,000 personalized quilts oh, for kids that. in foster homes. Yeah. So... Simone Biles would be very proud. Some of them are auctioned off for local charities and other causes. But these guys have, this particular group is guys, they have chores that they have to do in prison. And then on top of that, this group, five days a week for seven hours, they're sitting there quilting. Which they love. It's a win-win because the prison staff is happy. They they feel like they're contributing to society again. And for a lot of them, the... Inmates feel like they are showing these kids that they're not throwaways. Right. And I, the, the fellowship and community of that. Yes. I can just kind of see that. One guy was making one for a boy with a dog theme and stuff. It just, it, to me, it's super sweet that these guys. It's neat that men are sewing. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone cool. I saw in this group, well, this particular prison are men. It it just, the prison staff is happy because these guys are well-behaved. They're excited to be contributing to society. It's just a positive influence altogether. So I loved seeing the pictures with that. Aww. It almost makes me want to buy a quilt. And then I saw this on TikTok. Oh, okay. I mean, I didn't see it on yeah. TikTok, but I looked it up because all the kids are doing TikTok. Right, right. But apparently someone who went viral is a 79-year-old man oh. that was on TikTok. And the reason he was on there, he's a Navy veteran from Minnesota. His mobility scooter broke, oh. and he was totally devastated and yeah. just crushed because that's how he got around. Right. He went to the coffee shop. He went to the veterans park. He, you know, saw people and got to engage in yeah. conversation because of his mobility scooter. So when it broke down, he was devastated. And this new friend that he had made, Amanda, made a TikTok video so and said, like, go fund me. Oh, the pictures and the videos. Aww. It's adorable. You need to look it up. Yeah. But Set up a um, GoFundMe page to buy Kenny a new scooter. It brought in $111,000. Wow. So that was definitely enough to buy a scooter. Kenny wanted to take the remaining money and buy more scooters for veterans in need. 
when he asked for submissions, apparently he received more than 500 requests. Oh, my gosh. So he needs a lot more money. He does. So, but that's the beautiful part (laughs) of this. He and Amanda, um, they set up another GoFundMe page, and so they're trying to buy more scooters. So I just think that's awesome. I also found the story that this investment banking firm, Sandler, O'Neill, and Partners, they lost 66 men and women on September 11, 2001, in the horrific attacks on the World Trade Center. And within a week, they set up a foundation to pay college tuitions for 76 of the children who had lost their parents that day. So, so far, this foundation has 54 young men and women have had their college paid for. 22 are still eligible. Of the 54, they've attended all sorts of schools from Stanford... You know, some have gone to community college, some have done vocational and technical institutes. Notre Dame was on the list. Foundation was set up and was running by the end of the first week after the attacks. They asked Jimmy Dunn at Sandler O'Neill why they responded so quickly. And he said, because I knew that if we were not honorable, then we stood for nothing. I concluded immediately that we would not be intimidated. We would not go out of business. We will come back stronger than ever and be an example of people who worked and lived with honor. We want our defiance and reverence to echo for a century so that the grandchildren of our people will know what we stood for, that we stood for something and acted honorable when it really counted. So I just love that they're doing the right thing. None of these guys are making money. They just, uh, and it's like competing banks even that are contributing to these funds. So people doing the right thing for these young people that that lost loved ones. Then also it's October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Leslie had participated in the Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure walk with her mom, Barb a breast cancer survivor, and their team name was Barb's Babes. Oh, that's cute. So they had done that for years. And then in 2016, Leslie, the daughter, sadly, was diagnosed with breast cancer, so they turned the team name into Team Les and Barb. They continued doing the walk, and they did it together as survivors. They were shocked and disappointed when Komen announced they were closing their branch in Idaho, in their local branch in Idaho. So they decided that they would do a walk on their own around the neighborhood. yeah. So they started a Facebook page, and they called it Flock Cancer because I guess Leslie really likes flamingos, so it was kind of a little play on words and whatnot. But they thought they'd maybe have 25 to 30 participants join in this walk. Yeah. Ends up that as news spread, their little walk attracted more participants than they expected. So their little walk turned into nearly 400 people wow, joining that's in. that's awesome. And they raised more than $25,000 for the YMCA Oncology Recovery Program in Boise. So I just love that they took something so simple, a little walk, put it on Facebook, and it grew. People did the right thing. There was another lady I found, Carolyn Keller. She survived breast cancer not once, but twice. And when her sister-in-law, Laura, was diagnosed with breast cancer, she wanted to help her out and help her find a wig because that's a huge... It's just so hard to lose your hair. So for some women, wig is obviously so important. So anyway, she tried to help her sister-in-law find a wig. She found out that it was like several hours away just to drive to get there and $3,000 or more to get a wig. So she decided it is ridiculous. And it's so important to stay, you know, to feel pretty. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. 
So she had, you know, thought about when I was done with my chemo, I had these wigs I could donate them. She started eBeauty, her wig exchange. That's the name of it. It's a in 2011 she decided to start this nonprofit. It started as a grassroots organization, and they collected donations from hospitals in the DC area. Fast forward today, and now they have like 50 hospitals that oh, are participating wow. in it. They have distributed just from this woman's idea, yeah, 55,000 free wigs. Wow! So her nonprofit accepts donations and wigs, and it's a great example. Of she just took a simple concept, right? Took a bad situation and is definitely so making the world incredible. better. Yeah, Charlotte Liebling was a volunteer at a charity shop. This is totally separate. This should probably be in on Earth, <laughs> Earth Month. Um, but she was at a charity shop in the UK. I, I picture it as like a Salvation Army type of thing. Okay. And she realized that so many of the plush toys, the soft toys that came in, just were going straight to the landfill. Or as chew toys for dogs, which... Okay, there you go. I I can can understand that. Which isn't necessarily a waste, but still... It's reusing, yeah. yeah. She just remembers her childhood and her being a young lady and having all these cute little plush teddy bears and whatnot. So she decided to set up a social adoption agency for the plush toys. Oh my gosh, you gotta look up the... Loved Before is is their website. They accept donations. Then they wash and sanitize them. She calls it their spa process. Oh, that sounds cute. And then if they need to have some type of restoration, she fixes them up. And then they they do a little photo shoot and they put them up on the website and they hope that they get adopted. I just think it's so cute. cute. I love it. So they don't accept plastic toys, electronics, or anything mechanical, but only focus on the plush toys. Aww. So she said that um, ones that are popular brands sell really fast. Yeah. Um, if they have a little quirkiness to them, they They're, sell really fast. Or if they have a good story, a good history behind them. Right, right. Then they fun. sell. Cute. So I just, I love it. She said, we're about embracing imperfection, which I'm all about. That. And in a way, they're even more valuable when you can see the toys, what they've experienced. I love that the company uses recyclable or biodegradable packaging, and they donate 50% of their profits to charity since opening for business in 2019. She said, I see it as changing the world one soft toy at a time. I'm not going to fix climate change by reselling theirs, but what I can do is show a younger generation what secondhand and sustainability looks like. So she's setting an example, which I love. She's got like 10,000 of these soft toys waiting at home Aww, that she's, she was like, I that can't come home. Hi. <laughs> waiting. But the pictures are just so sweet. Aww, I mean. That's sweet. So my last find was J-Lo Miles. He was in the British Army for four years. And when he left the Army, he had long-term post-traumatic stress disorder. And most of us picture dogs helping. Okay, yeah. Being therapy dogs. But. He has owls. Oh. On top of having post-traumatic stress disorder, he also has some anxiety and autism. Okay. So he's got, the cards are stacked against him, but he's noted that after serving the military, his mental health was anything but healthy, and he said that his owls are helping change that. Aww. So he, he noticed this one owl one day when he was at a breeder's house, and he said that the owl was, Oscar was kind of honing in on everybody, keeping everyone at bay. Right. So he decided to adopt the owl. So he adopted the owl. He said before the owl, he had struggled with stuff in daily life, like walking. He said he couldn't prepare a meal for himself. Oh, wow. So two years ago, he got Oscar. He said that one night he was at home. Somehow, 
Oscar got out of his cage, he Jayla was having night terrors. He woke up to something, you know, this breeze on his face. Come Aww. to find out, Oscar had managed to free himself from his cage and was slapping him with his wings Aww. in an attempt to wake him up. Aww. Animals How? are so instinctive. I know. I know. I just, How intuitive. Wow. So soon after Oscar, he adopted Louie, who picks up on his energy, on J-Lo's energy, and tries to keep him calm. According to J-Lo... They both have very different behaviors and different roles in how they help me. Oscar's Aww. role. I know. It's just. That's cute. I want an owl. Yeah. For me as protector. On my bad days, I'll take him out and he'll give the body language of not to come too close to me. Louie is my socializer. He's a massive distraction for my post-traumatic stress disorder. The other thing that's super great is J-Lo, he's trying to build his network across Wales and eventually branch into America, across the UK. He started a Facebook page called Mini Downs, Time to Get Up, where he details his mental health struggles and helps others around the world with their own. He's working on his degree in mental health and sociology. Good for him. That's awesome. I know. And once again, he's saying it because of the owls. Right. But he said, I can say I've saved over 100 lives on my page just by being there. So it was quite humbling because it's just little old me in Cardiff, Wales. But I love that he's doing, he's he's helping others yeah. with his story. Sharing his story. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Simple. I know, Amy, you must be sick to death of no, hearing. No. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. About John Pavlovitz. Since he's really been someone keeping me sane with our whole current political mess and the COVID nightmare, but I've been even more annoying uh, proselytizing with virtually anyone who will listen after reading his book on hope. John Pavlovitz is a pastor, a blogger. His blog is stuff that needs to be said, and his teachings encourage radical hospitality, mutual respect, and a very diverse doctrine. I've read his stuff on Huffington Post, and he's also contributed to churchleaders.com and the Good Men Project. So he's been around right, for a bit, yeah. but I know that I've gotten increasingly annoying. Um, I found him in 2016 and was immediately just, I wanted to find out more about him. I wanted to tell everyone I knew about him. But in hindsight, I was probably a little bit of a John Pavlovitz pushing bully. And I probably am still today, but I just felt an instant connection and genuine admiration from the first post I read by him. This guy speaks his mind. He doesn't hold punches and most definitely preaches in a way I see much more Jesus inspired than many of the mega church evangelicals that often turn me off. He talks about building a bigger table. In fact, that's the title of one of his books. And I'm in no way, shape or form in any way a theologian, but I definitely feel like if Jesus were walking among us in yeah. 2021, he'd sound a lot more like John Pavlovitz than many of the other preachers out there. Jesus was about love, loving God and loving each other. This is the message John Pavlovitz shares, where other religious figures are preaching messages of us against them, encouraging labels and division. I just feel like John is about teaching love, respect, and acceptance. And I'm all for that. Yeah. So I know I'm annoyingly so, but I should note that I've stopped going to one church after they flat out told us how to vote. Literally, like borderline, bring your ballot to service so we can check the boxes together. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I did never go back. I stopped going to another church after they strongly suggested, encouraged, pushed a particular political slant. 
Another church close to me, I wouldn't even try because a friend shared their experience. They went and they said that they didn't welcome anyone who was openly gay. So I point this out only to note that I don't believe churches should sway or interfere with democracy. Right. With that said. Yeah. I think that John Palpovitz gets pretty darn close, and truthfully, he crosses the line at times, yet I still find it refreshing and welcome it. As strange as that sounds, I don't mind him preaching his agenda because his, much like, remember Bishop Michael Curry in episode 34, he focuses on love, not judgment. He saves the judgment for God to do and does what he can to show God's love for humanity. So I've been called a bleeding heart a time or two. And believe me, it's not been in a complimentary fashion. But for John Palvovitz, he encourages the slur, seeing it as a strength instead of a weakness. So I loved I, I loved thinking of it that way. One of my favorite lines in Rihanna's song, Four or Five Seconds, with Paul McCartney. And I can't believe Kanye West. Oh, yeah. I'm a Kanye West song fan. Mm-hmm. Um, is She sings, all of my kindness is mistaken for weakness. And that line has always That's, resonated with me. Yeah. Because I too, have seen where kindness is so often mistaken as a type of weakness. Right. People take advantage of it. It's a vulnerability. I see it, but... I would absolutely argue the complete opposite is true. It takes strength and confidence to be kind. I see arrogance and mistreatment of others as a weakness, not a strength. It's easy to be hard to shut out feelings with things that hurt. Having an open heart means you're going to feel pain and a whole lot of it. I think it takes strength and moxie to know that you're going to be exposed to pain and suffering and still choose to help regardless, even knowing that you're going to be in pain. Right. So John Palvovitz has taught me that a bleeding heart is nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, I should accept it and be proud of it. In his book, (laughs) this might be why I like him too, because (laughs) he, he talks a lot in his book, and so do I. Hope and other superpowers, a life-affirming, love-defending, butt-kicking, world-saving <laughs> manifesto. That's the title of his book Yeah, I that, like that I just read. He talks about compassion and activism, and he pointed out loud and clear that empathy without action is a waste. And I need yeah. that up on my wall because yeah. I love that. He used Batman as an example because the book is superhero-themed, which was another okay. reason that I You'll loved, probably loved it. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, noting that Batman sees the bat signal right. and responds. He doesn't see the need and then think about it, emotionally eat to cope with it, but instead he reacts accordingly. Right. And that, that totally that got to me. At times I'm overwhelmed with the state of the world, and it's easier to throw my hands up in the air and offer a glass of wine, <laughs> especially when I question how much of a difference I can really make. Sure, yeah. So he tells a story, and I mean, he tells a lot of stories in the superhero book, but there's a single mom winding down one night with her young girls, and she told her girls that they were very sweet to encourage her, but she said, if you think I have superpowers, you're going to be disappointed when you find out I'm a regular person. And one of her daughters replied with, I think you have superhero love, Mom. Both girls agreed, and the mom was elated with just that simple reminder, and their words made a difference. Yeah. And I just, superhero love, I just, I think that's awesome. Another example that I love, uh, just of simple encouragement, when he wrote about being, he was a young pastor, and the church's secretary said to him one day, son, the Holy Spirit's just dripping off you. This sweet little woman was his grandma's age, and while he wasn't necessarily feeling confident in his job or even sure what made her say that, her words were powerful. Right. 
He reminded us that words can crush us or propel us. And she was definitely using her words to encourage. He never forgot that exchange. He uses that story to remind us to be truth tellers who testify goodness and most importantly, prophets of hope. I loved that. Yeah. We all have the ability to be agents of hope. It just means showing up to be our best selves. Responding to that bat signal, even if we feel overwhelmed and underqualified. Right. We can't wait until we feel confident, comfortable, and deserving. That time most likely will never come. We just, we have to take action now. I'll say his abrasive and somewhat cynical blog is a battlefield for sure. A battlefield for diversity, love, and fighting for the underdog, and people who can't fight for themselves. There's definitely a lot of anger there. But Jesus was angry at times, too, condemning the Pharisees. And I'm in no way saying that John Pavlovitz is a modern Jesus. And I think the pastor would agree that he's just like the rest of us. He he doesn't even come close to being Jesus. But he just wants us to live like Jesus, love like Jesus. And so he spends his time trying to figure out just what that is. Right. I'd say that quite possibly my favorite thing about John Pavlovitz is his all-inclusive Christianity. Aww. So, right or wrong, I yeah. love that he wants to include more people into his circle. A religion that doesn't get so caught up in the legalities of it, but one that just focuses on living a life that would be pleasing to God. Right. The inclusive Christianity way of thinking is something I so admire, but it's been an evolution in itself with John Pavlovitz. He was born into a middle-class Italian family in Syracuse and was raised in the Catholic Church, grew up with the mindset that people of, these were his words in there, people of color, gay people, addicts, poor people, and atheists were all to be avoided or feared or at least approached with great skepticism. So he'd earn a scholarship to the University of the Arts in Philadelphia where he studied graphic design. There, he was exposed to all sorts of people. He had been taught to be cautious around. Yeah. So being surrounded with groups of diverse people, he discovered that he cared about these people. I mean, he right. he realized he genuinely cared for them. It opened his mind, but more importantly, it opened his heart. He realized these people he had been raised to fear weren't scary at all. Yeah. So another pivotal moment in his life was when his brother came out. While Palvovitz had grown up with a general discomfort with gay people, once again a byproduct of his upbringing, when he heard that his brother was gay, he felt a sense of relief instead of discomfort. For him, it was clear that his brother had been depressed and unhappy. He had been living a life being someone he wasn't, or at least trying to be someone he wasn't. Fortunately, his parents were accepting and embraced his brother, loving him for who he was. Pelvovitz found his way to a Methodist church when he and his fiance decided they wanted a church wedding and found a cute and cozy church in the suburbs of Pennsylvania that led to him being asked to help at a church as a youth pastor, then a stint at seminary, and eventually a job offer at the Good Shepherd United Methodist Church, that's a mouthful for me, <laughs> in Charlotte, where he worked as a youth pastor for almost a decade. He loved belonging to the church, but he also felt the pressure to conform. Right. He talked about they'd preach about the gay agenda or use various anti-Democrat jargon as a way to boost attendance. And he never felt right about it, yet he joined in. Palvovitz struggled knowing that he disagreed with some of the teachings, but he couldn't comfortably voice that. He was confident that he didn't have all the answers, but was conflicted. I mean, he was a... That's going to be so hard. I know. I, I just can't imagine putting myself in his place, but... 
seasoned pastors were expected to have all the answers. I mean, people came to you for right. answers and for you sure. needed to have them. They weren't supposed to question things. So Palvovitz kept going back to the same question. Wasn't the goal to love everyone unreservedly? He might have been thinking that question, but he certainly wasn't speaking it. He didn't start speaking it until he was fired from a mega church in 2013. They claimed he never really fit in there. And Palvovitz, like his vision, he wanted all corners of humanity to come together for the purpose of glorifying God. And he felt the church had become more of a corporate experience. Right, yeah. Offering Sunday morning faith-based entertainment. Clearly, with him feeling that way, they weren't a good fit. And I'm I'm super grateful for that oh my because gosh, yeah. he would have stayed that small town pastor at that mega church had he not been fired. I know it must have been gut-wrenching to lose his job, not to mention humiliating. He had a family to provide yeah. for. But I'm just grateful it happened because I wouldn't know who John Palvovich is without that event. So his soul was yearning for something that megachurch couldn't provide. And without being tied to, you know, when he no longer was tied to the church, he yeah. could start preaching more openly and be himself. In 2014, he wrote a blog post in the form of a letter to his kids called, If I Have Gay Children. It outlined the ways he would continue to love and support his son or daughter if they came out. It went viral. Overnight, he had like a million reads. I think even Katy Perry shared it. Oh, wow. He said, one day you're unemployed, the next day CNN calls. He instantly had an audience that he could share with and use right. his gifts with this new audience. And you can imagine the trolls he encountered. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But, you know, as you're saying this, I just feel like, duh. I mean, I just feel like, why aren't we, why are we, I mean, this is awesome, but like. Why is it something? Why is it something? And Jesus is love, and why are why are we so? Why is there so much prejudice, division? And division? So I mean, it's, it's just simple, to, to me. I I mean, it's in all our hearts. But yeah. some, some, someone is making it a pub a public yeah. platform. Good for him for doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's like well, I know, and I do all agree. of us are thinking that <laughs> silently, like, oh, what's wrong with us? You know, what's well, wrong I do with, like the da comment because it is just so simple. Like, when I am being a John Pavlovich bully and trying to get people and when I'm talking about what he talks about, that is their response. Yeah. It's just common sense. Right. But we're but all kind of afraid in yeah. our society, in our norms, yeah. kind of put us in these places. Yeah. And like he said, he couldn't be who he was when he was tied to that previous For, church that right. he doesn't name. But he couldn't be as open because he he worried about the repercussions. Right. So... Sorry to interrupt there. And, um, well, the trolls also were repercussions. But while he had touched millions with his more progressive evangelism, he also enraged a whole lot of people. I recently read this book called Love People Use Things by Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. They're the minimalists. Oh, okay. I'm not Which familiar. I know, looking at my house, I do okay. not look like a minimalist. But I loved it because they referred to trolls as seagulls. Oh, yeah. They just swoop in, scavenge and defecate, and then they fly off, leaving their mess in the wake. And then internet seagulls are much the same. No yeah. real interest right. in the outcome. No risk in their words. They just show up, trash on others, and then move on to their next destination and do it again. Yeah, Being authentic and honest often puts us in uncomfortable places. And John Pelvovitz has had his fair share of seagulls. <laughs> but I love that he keeps at it. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Putting yourself out there is hard and often painful, but it's imperative to love wider and further and to open our hearts to love all kinds of people, not just our own, not just the ones that are like us, but everyone. So I love the superhero stuff that he talks about. I was all over the use of that in this book. I loved him talking about Chala and Iron Man and their suits. So for these superheroes, when they get hit, it empowers them. Their suits become more powerful with every shot. So I feel like I need to look at my life that way. John Palvovitz had three tips to fortify the fight. That's what he used it as. One, remember who you are. Two, transform the negativity. So that's what those suits are doing. And three, withdraw from the fray. He talks about Wonder Woman going to the mascara to kind of rejuvenate and Batman going to the Batcave and Superman at times needs to go to the Fortress of Solitude. So there are times where you just need to back away from the fray rejuvenate so you can go back out there again. He points out that superheroes aren't impervious to difficulty. That transfers to us as well. As people seem to become more cruel and mean-spirited, our ability to hold on to our lightness makes us bulletproof. I think we need to remind ourselves of that. I know that for me, sometimes light can be times a raging fire, and other times it's just a flickering candle. I'm just trying to keep it lit. But all that matters is not letting that light go out. So he said, just like our comic book idols, our greatest heroes in music, politics, social justices, or our families aren't created in a vacuum or in an instant. They're defined and redefined by their surroundings and experiences and relationships. People who change the world aren't remarkable until they're called by circumstances to be remarkable. He then asked his one and only question, then what are you going to do about it? Wow. Which, yeah. see why I love him? Yeah. So the book's riddled with real people doing extraordinary things that are really, they're simple acts, but they're easy to do, but not everybody does them. Right. The only difference between them and me is that they've acted on that bad signal. They saw a need and they did something. There's a small group in uh, at an Indiana church that they decided to put together some backpacks, fill them with school supplies, and give them to kids in need. They scraped together enough to make 50 backpacks. Oh. That's what That was their yeah. first school. That's great. Simple and impressive at the same time. But that was just the start. Now, culture of good backpacks has been going for five years, and they've provided 700,000 wow. backpacks. That's amazing. Think of all the kids yeah. touched by just that simple yeah. act. He shared a mom named Sarah Cunningham. After her son came out, she wanted to make sure any child she came in contact with knew that they meant something. She started her free mom hugs tour. (laughs) I don't know if it's her, but I've seen... Um, on the news, some moms. I was, gonna, I was waiting yeah. for you to say the Today Show. But. Yeah, it wasn't the Today Show, but it was something else. But, oh. um, simple, simple gesture, but how many of us are willing to get out there and do that? Right. And he said, he's absolutely right with this. When so he points out exactly that Sarah's combining her faith, moxie, and mama bear badassery to change the world. Aww. There's another mom in Portland, Oregon, which, of course, I was oh, like, I got to go this up. But she's a dental hygienist during the day, but she all and a mom and a wife, and she also has another identity. She dons a Batgirl costume or a rogue from Marvel's X-Men to go cheer up kids in the hospital. She's joined a group called Portland Superheroes Coalition, founded by Brady Gage. And I gotta say, I just love the creativity, the passion, and helping kids. There's a young man in Indianapolis named Austin King Hurt who lives with his mom and four siblings. 
when he was eight, he saw his mom making rice and beans, and he decided he could help feed others too. This is a eight-year-old. So in May 2017, he started a YouTube channel that shared his simple goal. I grow it, you take it. He wants to grow food to help feed the hungry. At 11, this young urban gardener is fighting hunger because he saw a need and just got creative and did something. When people step into the world to bring their personal resources to bear on problems around them, they attract other like-hearted humans who want to boost that positive signal. We need to speak love. Smile at people. Exercise simple decency. It's gone. Sadly. We need to bring it back. Bring it back. We need to anticipate needs and do something to fill it. Pelvovitz talked about how Bob Ross, remember oh, him? Oh, yeah. Well, Ellie loves him. <laughs> he filled holes <laughs> right. he saw in the world with his oil paints, fan brushes, and palette knives. Yeah. His life wasn't idyllic by any means. I watched the documentary on I Netflix. Seen that uh, yet, but it was no. sad. It, the hardships he endured. But he focused, I mean, what made him happy was teaching others how to make the world more beautiful with painting. Right. And it's something therapeutic about Absolutely. His, watching his episodes, but yeah. So this book got me fired up, for sure, and inspired me to see the wonder in the yeah. world. People with wonder are easy to spot, he noted. They embrace belief and find faith in something bigger. As Palvovitz reminded me, wonder can save the world because it's fuel for our best selves. I want to be the solution seeker, the bright side finder. Dream Stoker and Defiant Dancer, John Pelvovitz <laughs> speaks up. I, I, that's another thing I want to yeah. print up on my wall. When we see people in need and distress, we need to put aside the lazy stereotypes, opposing right. politics, and exterior differences, and, and care without pause. Yeah. I've only touched on some of the amazing people in this book, and I could seriously talk all day about it, as you are well aware, <laughs> aware of. No, it's awesome. But I yeah. just, I, I love his message. Especially spoken in this superhero language. It's really, a, something about that seems really approachable, you know. It is. To, all, of, yeah. all of his stuff is, but I think this, this is why I want all of my boys to read this book. Yeah. Because I like the superhero focus with it. And it, it isn't, it is. You know, in a way, it's something to aspire to. And sometimes when you talk absolutely. about doing something great and doing some, even if it's simple, sometimes there's a lot of like, oh, I'm not doing anything. And there's shame and feeling yeah. bad. I'm not doing enough. But this is something like to aspire to. It well, kind and of like the mom, some, like the you hugging said, wonder mom into it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I love that. Just look. It makes you look at look at things a little differently. Right. Like how can I? Yeah. yeah. I just love his message, especially in the superhero language. According to Palvovitz, heroes move from burden to action, from heart to hand. They evolve from simply feeling empathy to tangibly expressing compassion. Heroes do things everyone hopes and prays somebody would do, which I love him saying that. According to Augustine of Hippo, Hope has two daughters. Their names are Anger and Courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. I just so admire John Pavlovitz. I respect his teachings. I admire his heart and appreciate his honesty. I'm grateful he's gutsy enough to do what he does. Yeah. Reminding people that Jesus was a homeless preacher, an underdog for sure, Mm -hmm. and executed for refusing to conform. He admits that he doesn't have all the answers. And that's so dang refreshing to me because there's truth in that. No one has has the answers. answers. Right, for sure. Yet he remains hopeful. 
And that's what I, you know, I want to get in line for that, for sure. He also has a new book out. I haven't gotten it yet, but If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. Oh. So <laughs> I'm excited to that's read that. funny. I love I just, that. Yeah. yeah. There's something, yeah. I love him. All around us, people are drowning, pressed against their limits, struggling to breathe, barely holding on. This is your calling. This is why you're here, to be the kind of people who give a damn and give of themselves, get their hands dirty, and save people. John Pavlovitz. I just love this story found on this young couple, Rachel and Tom Sullivan, who live in Raleigh, North Carolina. They started hosting dinners during COVID. I guess one of the first students who came to dinner at the Sullivans was Kevin uh, Gallagher, a junior at North Carolina State University. Apparently, his parents used to host dinners back in the day when Rachel was attending the university, and she would regularly come to their house for dinner. So Rachel and her husband are paying it forward. It started with just hosting Kevin, and she posted this really super cute TikTok video. It's totally (laughs) worth watching. But it grew attention and more than like 2 million likes, and it created an interest of other students that wanted a home-cooked meal. So Rachel and Tom felt it was so important to provide this home-cooked meal and community, especially during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so Rachel said on Twitter, there's so much isolation. And just giving these students an opportunity not only to come together and have great food, but to find community. Since they started this, local vendors and restaurants have, like, reached out and provided support, too, which is really cool. It's kind of that ripple effect we talk Mm -hmm. about. But the Sullivan started a website called AdoptCollegeKid.com for students to sign up for meals uh, for the couple also to collect donations. Rachel said it perfectly. It takes a village. We wouldn't be able to do it on our own. The other really sweet part of this story, I just love this part, is that prior to opening their house up to college students, Tom, the husband, had a secret Instagram account. His wife didn't even know about it. He had been posting meals. He had been making in his crock pot for his wife. So he was making these whole base food meals because his wife, um, to help her regulate her hormones, because mm-hmm. his wife would was recently diagnosed with um, polycystic ovaria syndrome. Mm-hmm. So she's having trouble getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. So so he did, did this secret little Instagram account, Aww. but she found out about it recently, and it's called At Meal She Eats. Check it out because <laughs> it's so cute. I mean, it, the pictures of the couple are just at meals she eats yeah at meals she eats it's just they are so flipping cute and Teresa she's a flight attendant (laughs) so it's I just I just thought they were so cute but and then I was looking at their other how does she find time to make meals for these college students he's making the meals okay. okay so I looked at this one post from summer and it it looked so amazing they had 30 students at their house wow they served 30 pounds of pulled pork 38 pounds of smoked chicken, 15 pounds of herb-seasoned potatoes, along with asparagus and summer squash. So it's healthy, good yeah. food. I just, I just, I want to crash one of their dinners, but we'd have <laughs> to get a plane ticket to go. Yeah. <laughs> but I just love their hearts for others, yeah. you know, paying it forward. Yeah. And I most of all just love her husband creating these meals just to help her be healthy, you know. Both of them, obviously. Both of them. Good, yeah. good humans. So cute. Very sweet. So, Amy, I love getting to know you better. (laughs) No pressure, but where'd you meet your spouse? At the taco bar 
in Pullman at Wazoo. I was working okay. the taco bar, and he walked through. Man, you've worked everywhere. You did yeah. the... And I don't cook, so it's so hilarious. <laughs> but he does. Yeah. <laughs> he thought, oh, maybe she cooks, but no. What superhero would you be? Well, I would say Wonder Woman just because I love watching that show growing up. I Who just didn't? love well, just her strong. strength, beauty, and just Justice. And smart. Yeah. You know, yeah. just all of it. Yeah. What was your favorite subject in school? Well, I have to say art. Mm. I was always a kid that loved to have art. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, just so like, that's where your kids get it. Yeah, they, I just love they that. It. Well, yeah. but your husband's pretty. He likes art too. With his yeah. surfboards, he likes to make things too. If you had to describe yourself as an animal, what animal would you be? Well, I've said this, I, mother bear, because I, mean, I feel like I'm a, with my kids, I'm a total mother bear. So I think of that movie, um, Disney with the red hair. Oh, Brave? Brave. Yeah. I think of her okay. and the, the whole story with the mother bear. I can just relate. That was a good movie. It was such a I good movie. I love that. It's so cute. I have to watch that one again. Good animation, too. And I'm not into animation so much, but. What was your favorite sugary cereal growing up? Lucky Charms. What's so funny like is the that's, little yes, I love that now. As I mean, day. I could still eat that yeah. in a snack yeah. bag yeah. and be happy. Oh, so. I wouldn't need a snack bag. I'd need the whole Just, thing. But yeah. yeah, good choice. The world needs less heat and more light. It needs less of the heat of anger, revenge, retaliation, and more of the light of ideas, faith, courage, aspiration, joy, love, and hope. Wilfred Peterson. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, And you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.